It's planting season, and it's not too late to make sure your crops grow up fed and happy. Regardless of your spring crop, Fed and Happy offers a variety of worm-casting solutions in liquid and solid form to supercharge your soil, your yields, and your profitability. For fast, vibrant germination and seedling growth, mix your seed with Fed and Happy's screened granular castings pre-drilling. The Fed and Happy liquid seed treat and extracts offer the ideal mix of soluble solids loaded with living beneficial biology, mycorrhizal fungi, humates, and more. The Fed and Happy small spreadable castings are ideal for fast, easy soil incorporation. The large offer long-term stability and soil growth. But you don't have to figure this out on your own. Just call 833-GO-WORMS to speak with our farm team experts for a fast turnaround on a custom solution for your needs. Fare better against pests, disease, drought, and other potential hazards this season with Fed and Happy Worm Castings. Visit FedandHappy.com for a healthy harvest and any lawn, garden, and tree care needs. Available for pickup and on-farm delivery. That's F-E-D-N-Happy.com. Or call 833-GO-WORMS. Happy planting. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's hot time. We had a hot time. Together. Together. Yes, it's hot time. We had a hot time. Together. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host and cannabis lifestyle guide. On my recent trip to Alberta, Canada, I met the lovely Dory Ann Steinberg on the morning of 420. She'd invited me to her home for a high tea party. We sat down and discussed her life as a Calgary native and, in my words, a Canadian cannabis OG. Dory Ann splits her time between BC and Alberta and has an interesting perspective on the two very different cannabis cultures. We talk about her work in the legal cannabis space and the role she plays in empowering the local senior community to use cannabis for wellness. Dory Ann is also a visual artist, so we discussed getting crafty on cannabis. Settle in for the 420 edition of my Alberta adventure. It's time to get casually baked. I got the bottle of wine, the high dollar kind. I got the West Coast smoke, but I better just take one. Dorian, I really am excited to meet you and to have you on the show. From what I've been told, you are like an OG of the Calgary culture here. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> It's and, a pleasure to meet you too. Yes. And the fact that you went to school in Berkeley, you live part-time in BC, you have a lot of interesting perspectives on, on the cannabis culture. So I'm excited to hear everything that you have going on and kind of what your perspective is of the life in Canada pre-legalization and then post-legalization. Okay, perfect. Tell me what... What should I know about the Canadian cannabis culture? It is a completely mixed bag. 
You get people who have no interest whatsoever that want to completely stay away, that are not happy with legalization. You get people who love the fact that everything is controlled and you know exactly what you're going to get. And then you have your gray market uh, that is still in existence. And at the moment, I'm seeing that it's actually growing rather than shrinking. Interesting. And so the the gray market that seems to be thriving, is it, I mean, is it a responsible market? Like, are, is it still, are they putting out good product at least? Uh, the, the people that I've come across that are gray market are British Columbia people, a lot like Vancouver Island. So what happened was everything was a pretty much a free-for-all and there was all these fabulous small growers growing amazing cannabis on the island and they were doing really, really well. There was all these geriatrics that could go to their local store, buy whatever they wanted. And then as soon as legalization happened, they all got shut down. A lot of them just went completely underground. A lot of them have chosen to go the compliant route. So they've tried to apply for licensing, which is very, very difficult and very expensive. And every it's a crapshoot. Like People don't know really what's going on. Yeah. Um, especially the geriatric community. They don't know where to get their cannabis anymore. I spend an incredible amount of time doing navigation. I get phone calls from doctor's offices saying, how do we register for this particular licensed producer? Who is producing the best oils? Who is producing capsules? What sort of flour should I be using for my clients if they want to ingest through their lungs? And it's Everybody's asking a million questions and nobody really knows what the answers are. Yeah. It hasn't, it hasn't rolled out as simply and cleanly as possible uh, with legalization. However, I do enjoy the fact that there is testing and that it is controlled and you know you're not going to get residual pesticides, heavy metals or anything like that in your cannabis. And that part I really do approve of. Yeah. That part is the, the peace of mind element that we all need and especially seniors who are consuming cannabis and they need it. And you can very easily sway the opinion of, you know, someone who is in that space because they don't know. And they are just like, yes, just tell me what to take. Tell me how much to take. Tell me what to take. So the fact that they have a responsible Sherpa like you is great. Yeah. It's a explaining everything to them about legalization, why it was unlegal, why it was illegal. So you have to go through the whole gamut from the very beginning, explaining that Anslinger was wrong. <laughs> and, and and then coming to the product itself and different ways to dose and what the issues are. And if you're dealing with people with severe dementia, you're dealing with family members. And so you're, you're educating a whole community to help one person. And, mm -hmm. and that is, it's a lot of work. Yeah, it is a lot of work, but it is, you know, for me, it's a labor of love because I know how much cannabis has helped me and changed my life. And I had grandparents that suffered from dementia and it is a really brutal thing to watch. And so when you know that cannabis truly does help and it's even reversing the effects of dementia and Alzheimer's, 
it's like, I'm willing to make the time to do this. I'm willing to talk about this over and over and over because, you know, it's like yeah. somebody's got to preach this gospel. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, granted, a lot of the, the data that I've collected has been anecdotal because of, you know, prohibition, which is another great thing about the Canadian market. All of a sudden, all of these science geeks are starting to, to wake up. Universities are waking up. They're starting to do this testing. Doctors are starting to do phase one, two, three trials. Mm -hmm. And that part of it is wonderful because yeah. we will have legitimate data. Mm -hmm. One of my girlfriends, um, Dr. V, she just recently taught a cannabis formulation class at Loyalist College. I think it's exciting that universities here that are starting these cannabis education programs or the formulation programs to try to not only help drive this industry, but, you know, make it better and like put that research behind what we already anecdotally know. Exactly. <laughs> so what is the big glaring difference to you from that Vancouver cannabis scene versus this one here in Calgary? Because you split time between. Yeah, it was more fun before legalization in <laughs> British Columbia because you had more access uh, mm -hmm. to products and people and people were very receptive. Now people are, they're hiding, they're nervous. Um, it's because I deal specifically with medical, it's not so prevalent, mm -hmm. uh, but, but as a cannabis user, myself and, and I come across both rec and, and medical. And so I, I kind of liked having access to recreational weed. So mm -hmm. you could self titrate in Calgary. They never had that opportunity of open shop fronts. And I think that it's probably rolling out a little bit easier here than it is in British Columbia uh, because people see it as a new thing rather than taking away an old system and putting in a new system. Right. Because it's always easier to start from scratch. Yes. And I think that that's something that Canada has done really well. I think that they will pull forward and do it in a very, very responsible way. Mm -hmm. And so that I'm happy about. Yeah. So you work with these different patients and, and get to help your friends and family have a better experience with mm -hmm. cannabis. What's your favorite part of being, you know, in this industry or this lifestyle? Making people more comfortable and making people happy. Because it, what's wrong with a product that there's no risk and it makes you happy and your quality of your life is better? Like, yeah, I think it's a good thing. It's not going to kill your liver. It's, you know, I'm not a fan of alcohol. So that is. Yeah. You know, and I, you know, I consume alcohol, but the deeper I got into the cannabis culture, the less alcohol I drank. And mm -hmm. now it is definitely one of those things where I prefer to be casually baked over being buzzed over off alcohol because you know, the older we get, the harder it is to recover from that. Like I have two glasses of wine and I wake up the next morning and I feel terrible. Yeah. Aside from the sugar. <laughs> True. Yes. And yeah. you know what? Speaking of sugar, let's talk about edibles for a second. Sure. Because I know, you know, that was a big hobby of mine when I was experimenting with making different oils and butters. And I've heard that you make delicious edibles. 
So someone had some things waiting for me when I arrived because I promised I wasn't going to fly dirty. (laughs) And one of them was these gummies that were just so packed full of sugar. There's no nutritional value whatsoever, but I ate it anyway because I needed a 20 milligram sativa edible. So what are the things that that you do to make your edibles healthier? And I'd like to just kind of riff on what are some of the things we'd like to see on shelves in the future that are healthier? Sure. So what I do is I take clients, medical clients, cannabis, and I decarb and I bake for them. So if they are diabetic, then they tell me what sort of food that they want, and I adjust to that. So I do everything from a sugar-free basic nighttime dose from anywhere from 1.25 milligrams up to 10 milligrams. I definitely follow the regs in terms of of dosing. Uh, So I'll choose products that the person wants. So it's all individualized baking. So if they have a gluten-free problem, then I deal with that. If it's, if they're dairy free, I can deal with that. So everything from shortbread to peppermint sandwich cookies to peanut butter cookies, whatever people want. uh, As far as cookies, I stay away from infused meals. Um, I've got basic crackers that I can do. Baked to order. Baked to order. Pretty much. Yeah, no pun intended. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I like I like the bake to order and uh, because I spend so much time with my clients. So I'll go into a care facility um, with my, you know, most of my clients, over 90% of my clients are over 70. Uh, my oldest clients are, are 92 and 93. I love that. And I love you showed me the picture. How old was that patient? That's Kate a- is 92. And she sent me a 420 photo this morning of herself (laughs) with an old Weeds magazine and with a headband on and just looking like wonderful Kate. Oh, my God. It was so cute. When I'm in Vancouver, I would love to meet her. Absolutely. She is. (laughs) She's a she has a lot of energy. She's commando Kate. I dig it. So I personally would appreciate being able to consume edibles more, but I don't because you know, one of the things that I have to do to take care of myself and make sure I don't get dementia is to lay off the sugar, you know, exactly. and there's certain kind of oils that I need to not eat. And I want to find an edibles company and just say, hey, can we brainstorm? I want to tell you all the things I want you to make for me. Because there are really are a lot of people in the market that are craving healthy snacks And, you know, we can get popcorn, we can get chips, you can get savory snacks, Mm -hmm. but there really hasn't been a healthy edible market yet. It's coming. It's coming. I've been really fortunate with dealing with the clients that I have and that they are receptive. I've done everything from um, uh, baking and then people want heavy terpenes. So I'll rely on um, terpenes from other spicy things or Mm -hmm. or fruit or whatever and reintroduce the terpenes to the edible so that they can complement because it is an edible I'm not quite sure of you know once everything converts to hydroxy 11 where what's happening we don't know any of that stuff yet so it's coming uh, data's coming and um, you know the pill business capsules are huge it's going to be huge because yeah. people in, unfortunately in the society they like popping pills right you know and I 
talk about that a lot where people are used to Western medicine, give them that Western medicine format. If that's what they're used to, then there's enough room in the market to create everybody's ideal yeah. situation for ingestion. So yeah, I think the the pills are going to be great, especially for caregivers who are taking care of elderly patients. Mm-hmm. I have a how I started with the um, I do a really tiny little shortbread, so it's only three ingredients with minimal sugar in it. And what I found for a lot of the dementia um, clients whose families are taking care of them is that they don't want to eat, and so with this tiny little shortbread that is very well dosed, they're happy to just sort of nibble on it and they will eat it. Mm-hmm. Whereas you can't get them to swallow a pill. Yes. And that has been um, a great little thing to experiment with. Yeah. When um, my bunny, that's my dad's mom, when she was in her final days, we, my parents needed to go out of town. And so my sisters, we were we took turns flying home and, and taking care of my grandmother. And and my dad was just like, she won't take her pills. Like, it's just been a pain. I'm fighting with her to take mm-hmm. her pills. And I get there and she'd do everything I said. <laughs> and my dad was like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, she loves you. She <laughs> yeah. trusts you. Yes. So I was able to get her to take her pills. But yeah, it would have been much easier to have gotten her to eat a cookie. Yeah. <laughs> a yeah, little tea for biscuit. Sure. For sure. Yeah. And also, you you know, you don't want to be ingesting through your lungs when you're 90 years old. It's just not right. something that they want to do or is a good yeah. thing to do. Well, and the other thing that would that's easy in that regard, too, is you know, the tinctures. And there are there's some that are people that are creating now the water soluble mm-hmm. versions that you could just put in their tea or coffee or, you know, whatever. And yeah, so there are a variety of ways, but cannabis is so important to the senior community and educating not only it's really educating their families. Absolutely. So that, that everybody feels comfortable to be on board with this. And it's like fear is eliminated out of the equation. Yeah. Yeah. The most receptive people that I have found are people in their late 70s, early, early 80s, because they're the ones that did experience the 1960s. And then they gave it away. And then they're back at it. And so everything from topicals to edibles, they want something. And they they do want to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, from the Mahjong groups to the bridge clubs, and they they want it all. Yeah. And and, and women want it all. Uh, men, it, it's funny when you talk about edibles and the type of edibles, what I have found is that men like gummies and women don't. <laughs> and uh, and so that's that's been really interesting. Women are the ones that are going to be going into the stores and buying edibles once edibles hit the Canadian market, for mm-hmm. sure. They are also uh, a big chunk of my medical community, but a lot of them actually use it to take to their, their men folk who have the issues because the men don't want to go out and get it. Yeah. So they send their partners out to go get it. Yeah, so. and it's funny because... You know, when you think about as men age and they have a female partner, it's like they eventually just hand over responsibility to like what I wear, what I eat, what I drink, just as long as you do it for me, I'll just. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah. We have someone at the door. Yeah. I'm going to just answer. Yeah. Or just totally hang fine. on. Hang on hey, one second. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> we got someone else to get the door. We have it. Oh. We're having a 420 tea party. Hey, I we mean, are. And you know what's funny is Joe. It's it's all boys. After I just gave me <laughs> a little blurb about boys, it's all boys. Hey, Joe. Well, it's all boys, and they all rely on you. <laughs> it's true. I do. I do a lot of. Uh, I do a lot of baking for these boys. <laughs> it doesn't matter what culture or what country you live in. Men rely on the women in their life to keep them straight. <laughs> it's it's very true. Very very true. My partner's a really good cleaner, so. Uh, once I finish my baking, he's the one that always sterilizes everything, you know. I love that. My mom's mom, my Joycey Bear, she had a husband that he just recently passed away, but treated her like an absolute princess. And she would bake or cook, and she was not allowed to put her hands in dishwater. So she got to make a mess in the kitchen and walk away. I was like, how do you get one of those? That's impressive. It took me two two partners to figure that one out. (laughs) But see, you figured it out, though. Yeah. So you grew up, well, you didn't grow up, but you, when you... I'll never grow up. (laughs) Me either. When you went to school in Berkeley, so during those formative years, I should say... What was your kind of favorite part of the cannabis culture as you explored during your university years? Uh, it it was it was pretty interesting. Um, we would do everything like drive up to Sonoma County to go get different types, everything from tie sticks to sensimia to uh-huh. know, that sort of thing. Um, one, I moved into a group house. One of the fellows there uh, had a playboy bunny tray that he used to take out to telegraph ave and sell cookies to pay for his making hologram habit (laughs) um we lived in the berkeley hills and so we'd look down you know we had a beautiful deck and so we could look out over over uh berkeley and the into the water over to the island and Mm -hmm. and uh just sit there and enjoy our cannabis and then you know i was in art school and so I would say most of the art school was using cannabis on a daily basis, and staff included. Yeah, to get and stay inspired. Yeah, and and creativity. And and, um, I guess what I loved the best about it was an altered perspective. And so that you are still completely in control, you're completely aware of everything that's around you, but you, but it provides you with a different perspective on how to approach um, a lump of clay or a piece of metal or uh, paint, whatever you wanted, so that you could um, start a painting uh, without the, without any cannabis around, and then you come back to it um, once you've had a few hits, and then all of a sudden you, you look at it and you think, this isn't, this is not working. And uh, so you could go back and forth and in your own brain, and it provided you with two different perspectives. Yeah. And, and I, I really enjoyed that. I love that. In fact, that now reminds me of your, your cannabis art project. So people yeah. that consume 
and they want to have some sort of an experience, I want to share what you're working on because I think this is fun. You know, if somebody wants to just on a Saturday afternoon, you know, get casually baked and play, um, you know, or like you just said, you do this in the evening, but tell us about your, um, your teapot project. Right. So we moved to Vancouver Island uh, on what we thought was going to be a temporary thing. Hopefully it still is temporary because <laughs> Calgary is my home. Uh, but there's not a lot to do. You know, you can, it's all fitness related, bike riding, climbing, mm-hmm. just like it is in California. And um, everything is all about upcycling. So you spend a lot of time going to the secondhand stores. There's no, there's nowhere to go shopping. And so I started grabbing all of these silver plate teapots and tea sets and buying secondhand jewelry and taking everything apart and turning them into objects that were fun and colorful and indicative of the times. So there was all these objects that people were disposing of and didn't know what to do. So it's sort of like a repurposing um, of, of a utilitarian object. Mm-hmm. Well, I think they're amazing. And if you don't Thank mind, you. I'll take a picture of a set before I leave so I can put them in the show notes um, at casuallybaked.com so people can get inspired to figure out what their little cannabis-infused art project might be. Yeah, and they're, they're, they're great because um, you can use them. They're still usable, and you can have your casually-baked tea parties in the afternoon. Yes, so great. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and it was an introvert talking about how she was able to get involved and be a part of a movement without having to go out and picket or, you know, mm-hmm. be out in a public place. She learned that, you know, she would go to these knitting circles and she could just sit there and knit and ask people questions and not have to make eye contact with them mm-hmm. and be able to figure out how they might affect change as introverts. Yes. And so they started like knitting or crocheting little gifts for the politicians that they wanted to change their minds about something and, you know, send them, we care about you, but we care about this. And, you know, it just, it was really interesting, but I was thinking, I'm like, yeah, a little casually baked knitting circle would be fun too. (laughs) Well, the beauty of it is, is it's something that's very repetitive Mm -hmm. and what I have found with a lot of introverted people is that repetition. Like if you think of a production potter, they make the same pot over and over and over. And it, it's therapeutic to, to do that and knitting and crocheting and repurposing these pots. It's all the same. It's, you know, doing an exercise, a brain exercise where you are actually fit. You have something physical to actually look at. It's tactile. Um, so you're engaging different parts of your brain at the same time, as well as you have the opportunity to speak to other people in the room. So it doesn't have to be an isolated event. Right. I love that. And I think that's, you know, a lot of people consume cannabis because they need, I need to exit. <laughs> exactly. You know, I need to exit this thought process mm-hmm. or exit this day's affairs. And, and you know, having that that repetitive thing. It's almost like a, a active meditation. It is. Yeah. 
And I think we all, we all need to participate in some form of that. Yes. You know, because a lot of people will say, I, I can't meditate. I can't sit there and just breathe for 20 minutes. Well, if you can't, maybe this might be a good option. Yes, exactly. So I'm sitting here talking to you on 420. We've got a 420 tea party happening (laughs) in the other room. And you mentioned some other fun little event happening this afternoon. Um, Tell me what what people are doing in Calgary for 420. Uh, There's everything from food pairing parties to launches of products that are going to be coming once legalization starts. Um, I don't know what's going on downtown with any anything public. So it seems to be, it's still undercover in people's homes, um, by invitation only. Yeah, they're, they're hiding away. Yeah. And you know, so that was the thing that I was trying to figure out, because that's those are the sorts of things I'm hearing from listeners in Canada is that they don't feel like their cannabis culture is like out and loud and proud yet. No, it's not. And I think it is because of the rollout of the way the government has handled the whole scenario. Um, I think that further down the road, things will loosen up. But Mm -hmm. I think right now that it's just because it is so controlled. You cannot smoke in public. You cannot consume in public. You cannot definitely drive. Um, And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of police officers out there Mm -hmm. smelling in the windows of of cars this afternoon. Interesting. So when you said um, some product launches getting ready for legalization, this is the edibles and stuff for October. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I I haven't heard anything about topicals. Um, Just just edibles. Okay. And so not even so vaping is still not legal. Vape um, vape pens are not legal, so concentrates are not legal. So the only thing you can pretty much get are oils and flour. Got it. So if pe- so, you know that's another thing coming back to legalization and why black market isn't disappearing as quickly as people thought it would is because there are these products that are available, and in British British Columbia they were. Um, a lot of people don't understand vape pens. They don't understand that a lot of them have propylene glycol as a carrier, that there's a serious risk, um, and that you have to pay attention and don't buy them unless, you know, for me personally, you wait till the legal products, the tested products are out there. Well, and you know, and someone who's been used to having it, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a defiant child. Yes. Like, uh, yeah. you told me I could have this yesterday. Now I can't have it. Like F yeah. you, I'm having it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But people are waking up. Yeah. And uh, there's, there's some great producers on the island that have applied for licenses um, and I'm sure they'll get them um, because yeah. they're very responsible. Uh, well, and that's what people. I would love to know is that, you know, people that are still operating on the gray market, well, you can operate on the gray market, but make sure you're bringing thoughtful, intentional, conscious products to those people. To consumers, yes. Yeah. But, yeah. So in October, are the concentrates not going to be legal? It's no. just edibles that's no, coming on just board. Edible, edibles, so they are just kind of one product at a time. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And the dosing is going to be critical. Um, they've set packaging for maximum of 10 milligrams per pack. 
which, you know, for a lot of heavy cannabis users, that's not very much. They're going to mm-hmm. have to spend a lot of money if, or else learn to bake yourself. Yeah. Because the difference for us is it's 10 milligrams per serving, but 100 milligrams per package. Yes. So, that's not going to yeah. happen in Canada. Yeah, so you know, it might change over time, but right now, you know, the, the way it, um, like all the edibles I make have um, the THC stamp on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they none of them are over 10 milligrams, even mm-hmm. for uh, serious patients, yeah. serious pain management patients. Yeah. Uh, just because you want that control. Yeah. And I definitely approve of that control. Absolutely. When speaking of pain management patients, mm-hmm. um, you were telling me about the capsules and how those are going to be part of a study of replacing the opioids. Right. So there, there's people out there. Um, there's a few companies that are producing capsules, um, and the start of it for was for preclinical trials, government regulated trials for pain management. The reason they all jumped on board was because of the opioid issues. What they found was people go in for surgeries and they come out, 25% of them come out addicted to opioids. So what they're trying to do is cut down on the opioid dosage and introduce cannabis so that they can um, lower the dose of the opioid and that way trying to prevent addiction. I love that. It's so important. And the fact that you now have federal legalization opens that up. And mm-hmm. I'll be excited to see all the research that starts coming out of, of Canada. It's yeah. exciting stuff. Yeah, it is. It's very, very exciting. I'm, I'm very proud to be Canadian. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think that uh, they've done a good job so far. Well, thank you so much for hosting me today. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's so nice that California comes to Canada to visit. (laughs) Yes. Well, I'm like, I don't know enough about this. I need to just go put my boots on the ground and and see what's happening. And I'm here for 420. I'm going to Banff for Earth Day. Fantastic. So, yeah, I'm like, I'm doing it right, I think. <laughs> yes, you are. Absolutely. And what do you think so far? You know, it's been interesting. I spent some time in a dispensary yesterday and it was beautifully laid out. The It was 420 Premium Market that I visited. And I think they're doing a great job of educating consumers as they come in and, you know, offering dosage trackers to help people dial in their experience and kind Mm -hmm. of explaining what terpenes are. But I was surprised, you know, to see my flower selections. And if if there's anything with a high THC dosage, it's gone as soon as it shows up. So there is a supply and demand issue for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, The things that I saw that were available would be like my perfect workday weed, you know, that 9 to 12% THC where, yeah. you know, it's just a really functional high. And But the thing that I heard from their VP of marketing and their assistant manager is that people don't want that here. They just, they want the high THC or people want the high CBD like this. There's not a lot of in between. Yeah. And I think that will change once education pushes out. Bud tenders in the dispensaries here in Canada cannot give direct information on consumption. So if somebody goes in yes. and asks, 
I want something for sleep, you can say, well, I believe, or, or somebody said that they thought this one was good for sleep, but they cannot give you any sort of advice whatsoever. They're just basically there to sell you the product and you pretty much have to do your own research. And that part is really tough. Yeah. Um, there are courses, uh, there's one coming up on the 20, I don't know if it's the 20, this month, next week, uh, Universities Calgary is putting on, but it's not open to the public. It's it's medical practitioners. Um, so uh, it's Yeah, it's and that's important difficult. to open up to the public. Yeah, I think education has a long way to go. I think that bud tenders should be educated. I'm not keen on some, you know, 18, 19-year-old telling me what I'm supposed to be consuming um, unless they've been sent through some rigorous training. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is, you know, it is individual medicine and people are going to have to figure it out. So in terms of those lower doses, one-to-ones, I I can see that the serious benefit, uh, microdosing, I'm a big fan of. Mm -hmm. Yes, Um, absolutely. So I think that the high THC thing will disappear. I think so too. I was really surprised, but my immediate reaction was like, oh, well, they just don't know better. Yeah. And a lot of people just want to say, well, will it work? Does it work? Mm -hmm. Especially for people that have never consumed before. And then, you know, somebody recently, they'd never smoked a joint before. So I saw her smoking a joint. She said, am I doing it right? You know, and this is a woman in her 40s who never smoked a cigarette. And yeah. You just had, You're we like, were, well, you tell me in yeah. about three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> we were on the ground laughing, and so nothing happened. You know, she said, well, nothing happened. I don't feel anything. And I just said, well, you know, try tomorrow. <laughs> Leave it at that. Yeah. Well, and um, I think the other thing, too, is people in this day and age, they get so busy, and they get so about their activities or, you know, what's happening, mm-hmm. and in order to really engage with cannabis and know and see if it's working, you've got to like really dial into your body and like, how am I feeling right now? Exactly. How do I want to feel and then consume and pause and check back in? Okay. How do I feel now? Mm -hmm. And it's so hard for people to just stop long enough to do that. Especially new consumers because they don't know what to expect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I had, um, Someone who had smoked a CBD joint, which, you know, it doesn't get you high, but it does give you this lightness of being. Sure. And, you know, she was saying that she didn't think it was working, but I could totally tell because I know her mannerisms and I know like that kind of stressful agitation she has on a regular basis. And I was, you know, I just smiled because I'm like, oh, yeah, it's working. Yeah. Anxiety, decompression. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's good stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So do you have anything fun for us to smoke here today? I do. Um, (laughs) Vancouver, uh, Vancouver Island growing. Beautiful pineapple express. It's a bit diesel-y according to our favorite sommelier. Uh, so he thinks it's leaning more towards a gorilla glue, but regardless, we're just going to have to experience the feeling and figure <laughs> it out ourselves and maybe give it a new name. There you go. That sounds good. Getting high and renaming your cannabis. Exactly. <laughs> That's a perfect 420 activity. Well, thank you so much for hanging out and I look forward to smoking with you. Okay. Thank you so much. After our chat, Dorianne and I joined the rest of the guests for a smoke sesh and some tasty infused cookies she'd prepared. Even though I had an elevated dining experience to attend that evening, 
It was 420, and I was there to explore the cannabis culture like it's my J-O-B. Go big or go home, right? And technically, as a cannabis lifestyle guide, it is my job, and I absolutely love it. All right, next week for the final installment of my Alberta adventure, I'm airing a crossover episode with the cannabis sommelier. He's the guy that hosted the elevated 420 dining experience I attended. His show is called, well, you know what? I'll tell you next week. I want you to hear it on my show. In the meantime, submit your can of curious questions online at casuallybaked.com or you can always message me on social. I'm at Casually Baked on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. If you want to support me getting paid to be myself, I hope you'll share this episode of the podcast with a can of curious soul in your life. I mean, seriously, guys, it's a win-win. Head over to the Podcast 86 show notes at casuallybake.com to explore my all-day 420 celebration in Calgary. And I might add, it was really the best 420 I've ever had. Seriously. Way to go, guys. Thank you to Nimish, Joe, and Bill for organizing a fantastic experience. And if you're inspired to leave a rave review, I hope you'll share that on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. You know, all that stuff, it sounds so silly and you hear all these podcasts saying it over and over and over, but seriously, your feedback helps others discover this highly responsible cannabis content because when they go into their podcasting search and they type cannabis, if more people are talking about this show, then it'll show up higher in the ratings and on the search. You know, algorithms, data, the future. <laughs> oh, I know it's all silly, but we have to play the game to get the cannabis culture normalized. Casually Baked, the podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly. Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Arnav Gupta. The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend, Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album, Gotta Get Back, wherever you're buying your music these days. I know he didn't create High Time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. All right, my fabulous friend, until I speak to you again, party like it's 420. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name's Kate, and I'm your host of the Pop Moms podcast. I started the Pop Moms podcast, well, because I wanted to end the stigma against using cannabis, specifically with moms, but also anyone who chooses to consume. I strive for a balance of humor and education, along with some pretty rad guests, to help combat social biases that come with consuming cannabis. Kids are hard. Join me for regular podcast episodes packed with parenting hacks, real-life stories, and of course, my favorite cannabis products. The days are long, but the years are short. So roll another J and take a deep breath. Keep blazing and stay amazing.